Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. Time to get it started with First and Ten with Vinny Bonsignor and Sam Gordon. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Vegas Nation. First and Ten, your weekly go-to for Raider news and analysis. Uh, Before I bring in our great co-host, Sam Gordon, uh, also with the Las Vegas Review Journal and Vegas Nation, just want to let you know that Vegas Nation is sponsored by Stations Casinos, STN Sports and presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal and Blue Wire. Without further ado, uh, welcome in Sam Gordon. How you doing, my man? Man, Vinny, I'm doing well. But the more pressing question is, how are you doing? One and two. How was Indianapolis? How was the combine? Indianapolis was great. A um, couple of things. Number one, uh, just an incredible amount of athletic ability out there. It just keeps getting crazier and crazier and crazier. Seeing, um, you know, athletes this big. And this strong, um, you know, whether you're talking about tall with weight, um, whatever, being able to move the way they move. Um, and I know a lot of it is training, the new kind of training techniques that we have, eating habits, technology, um, people just live a cleaner life. There's just a lot of reasons, you know, for it. But it's just amazing, really, honestly, Sam, uh, to see it all out there on the field the way it was this week, excuse me, this week in Indianapolis. Um, but even more than that, or not more than that, but equally to that, it was just really cool to see things kind of getting back to normal, Sam. Um, you know, we were we were there at the Combine. It's the first time we've been there since 2020. Um, ironically enough, that was really the last normal NFL event that I went to in 2020 before, you know, the world just completely changed with the pandemic. Um, so, uh, or excuse me, that was in 2019. 20 no 2020 yeah that was in 2020 and then after that everything everything changed so to see how far we've kind of come um and getting back to normal nobody really was wearing masks at the um at, at the combine we're able to get fairly close to the players to to talk to them and interview them like we normally would there are fans uh in the stands at, at lucas oil stadium uh it, it just it felt like all right you know we're we, we really are um you know, moving in the right direction. And I, I got to say this also, uh, I give the NFL a lot of credit um, because when you think about it, Sam, they, they, they were kind of leaders throughout this. And I'm not just talking about for other sports, um, even, you know, the government and the CDC and all of that um, kind of looked at times to the NFL, not certainly for guidance, but as, as an example of, of, you know, how to handle this and, and why, well, the NFL invested a lot of money in, scientists, doctors, experts, testing, um, precautions, everything that they needed to do. Now, granted, there were monetary reasons for this. They wanted to get all their games in, which, by the way, they did. But in doing so, they kind of figured out how to be able to do it. Yes, there were some trials and tribulations and twists and turns and some games got postponed and people missed games. All of that type of stuff you know, happened. But that kind of mirrored what was going on in the real world, too. Um, so, you know, just kind of giving the NFL a little bit of credit for how they handled this and how they got through it. And now we're seemingly and hopefully on the other side. Well, yeah, Vinny, I, at first, it definitely feels like a, a first, a full circle kind of thing, you know, being able to follow the combine from afar here in Vegas on TV and following along with your guys' coverage. Um, great job. All, all, all your, your work, Adam Hill, Cassie Soto, everybody's work on VegasNation.com. Great job covering, uh, covering the combine, but it did feel that way. It felt like, Finally, the football schedule, as we know it, was starting to take 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 shape to to to, to build out the way 
Um, it normally does, and it was really cool just to, to, to kind of follow from afar and, and see um, the, 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 the future stars in the NFL shine at this stage. They, they've done such a good job for so many years. I remember Vinny going back to usually when I was 13, 14, 15 years old, watching the Combine on NFL Network right as it was starting to penetrate the mainstream in terms of a viable entertainment option. And lo and behold, um, it's back. You guys did an awesome job. And looks like you learned some things, right, um, about just kind of how – the Raiders are going to move or are starting to figure out a pulse, what kind of pulse um, this this new uh, front office and coaching staff has and, and where they're at with this team. What is, what for you, um, now that you had a little bit of time to reflect, was your biggest takeaway from being out in Indianapolis as far as it pertains to Raiders? Yeah, as far as, uh, you know, specifically with the Raiders, um, you know, got a chance to spend some time with Josh McDaniels, the head coach, uh, and Dave Ziegler, the general manager. Um, you know, really impressed with – their synergy. Um, I'm really impressed with their kind of approach and their dispositions and, you know, how they kind of plan on, on going about things. Um, it's very practical and measured and it makes a lot of sense. It sounds good. It's well articulated. Um, there seems to be a confidence level, kind of a, kind of a quiet confidence level about what they're doing um, and how they're going about it and, and taking it step by step and being methodical. Um, you know, even, you know, there's, 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 was, was honesty. Um, you know, Josh McDaniels was asked about his handle on the, on the wide receiver group uh, that was out there in Indianapolis for the draft group. And he's like, Hey, I'm not afraid to say that I'm not quite there yet to be able to really make any kind of a comment. And, you know, to his, to his defense, he just finished up coaching an NFL season with the Patriots. He got a new job with, you know, the, the Raiders, he's been building a staff. He's been, taking a look at his own th own team um, in, in, in addition to that. So there really hasn't been a lot of time for a Josh McDaniels to take a deep dive in the NFL or into the NFL draft, which is that's what this process is all about. Yeah, exactly. But he, he admitted that, you know, and it wasn't like he tried to fake it or, or blow some smoke or anything like that. You said, I'm not there yet, you know, but you, you get the, the feeling that he will be uh, fairly soon. And it all kind of started last week. So I, I, I liked kind of the disposition and, and, and how they approach things. What about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. That's just kind of a general sense, I think, since the tandem has gotten to Las Vegas is that it was going, you know, they were going to they were going to take their time. They were going to do their due diligence building out a coaching staff. They were going to do their due diligence in evaluating what they already had on the roster. And then, of course, in, with the new league year on the horizon, how to build out that roster, of course, with the NFL draft and free agency. So that's, that's kind of the general sense that I got um, and I've been getting the last few weeks is kind of following – uh, and certainly this week, following you guys from afar and, and just kind of staying tapped in with everything going on um, in NFL circles. But yeah, it really definitely, I think you're starting to feel um, the, the new regime establish itself and establish its presence. And of course, that is obviously going to take shape throughout the course of this month. Um, and certainly in the next month, too, as everything really gets going. It's, it's weird, Vinny. It feels like the season just ended. And yet, here comes the new league year right around the corner. So um, I'm very, very curious and also excited to see what, what kind of imprint they leave. And it, it seems like they're, you know, they're starting um, to do that gradual process, but that's where things seem to be, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, free agency literally starts next week. So that tells you kind of where we are right now and how quickly things kind of come ab about and jump on us. Uh, a couple of things to get to. Number one, um, you know, two two names that were uh, very prominent in, in Indianapolis were Max Crosby and Derek Carr. and. Sure. Um, you know, uh, there, there's been some reports that, you know, the, the Raiders and Crosby have opened up talks. It seems like it's going, you know, fairly well. Uh, not a big surprise there. I think there's mutual interest on both sides to get something done. 
Um, but I got to say this, you know, there, you know, you see these sometimes, you know, whether I report it or another reporter uh, reports it, um, and especially as it pertains to this to this subject. There's like this. Oh, it must mean that they care more about Max Crosby than Derek Carr and blah blah. blah. He, they, of course, they're going to take care of him first before the. Everybody, just relax and just um, chill on that. There's no real kind of um, set way that teams go about, you know, checking off the boxes. They, they, they it, it sort of happens organically, is how it works, and it's not. Uh, an indictment on one because they're taking care of another when it comes to this level. Derek Carr, I fully believe, is going to have a contract extension in place. Max Crosby uh, as well. Um, but there's no – it's like they're on to themselves. They really are. There's some connection because of the salary cap, obviously. Um, but it, it's it's not as deep, I think, as fans sometimes make it out to be. And just as an example, when I covered the Rams back in 2018, Todd Gurley, who was drafted in 2015 – got his contract redone or extension done uh, uh, in, I think it was July of 2018, whereas um, Aaron, Aaron Donald got his new contract in September or late, 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 late August, almost really the, the, the beginning of September in 2018. And Aaron Donald was drafted two years before Todd Gurley. So um, – it didn't, and and all along, as I was reporting it and, and talking to people, one had nothing to do with the other. There, each situation is kind of unique uh, to to the to itself. And yes, of course, there's always a little bit of salary cap implications here and there, but even that, uh, Sam sometimes gets overblown. So, so I guess my my advice is don't go crazy on oh they're picking him over him and they're prioritizing him over this player. It's it's really not how. Uh, it works. It's just sort of how things organically unfold. Yeah, no, I, I that's the sentiment that, that that's kind of the same page I'm on. I actually didn't think anything of it. Like, you know, you're going to get to Max Crosby when they get to Max Crosby and then negotiations with Derek Carr will pick up when they pick up. And there's also other moving parts, right? There's free agency for other guys, um, seeing where the market is and seeing how that pertains to these these negotiations individually with the Raiders players. There's a lot going on here. So I didn't, I, you know, until you brought it up, and frankly, I didn't read into it at all. I think um, at the end of the day, you know, business is going to get conducted when it's going to get conducted. And, and these are all professionals. These are all people who understand how the game works and how the game is played. And they're going to play it accordingly. So I, I, didn't, I didn't think much of it. The bottom line is, yeah, it, it really feels I'm, I'm with you. And again, reading some of your reporting and just kind of seeing what's out there um, definitely feels like both guys are going to get taken care of in due time. And at the end of the day, what the timing of it, you know, isn't as long as they can make it work within the confines of a, of a of the salary cap and build out a roster accordingly that I don't think the timing of it is anything to draw from or anything to bat an eyelash from as, as long as it gets done. And, and we have months, right? It's March. The new league year hasn't even started yet. It's March. Pump the brakes. There's plenty of time. Yeah. And uh, in the cases that I just mentioned, um, everything happened in training camp. So um, the, the notion that it has to happen now or it won't happen or blah, 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 blah. Um, that's it, it's, it's, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get carried away with that. And I don't, I wouldn't, even if it did take to training camp, I wouldn't expect um, Derek Carr, anybody to hold out or, or to become, you know, uh, kind of drama filled. Now granted Aaron Donald that year did hold out. Um, but you know, I don't even think the, I don't even think at that point, the Rams minded that because <laughs> there was nothing that he was going to, they, him being on the field or not on the field was the safest place for him and for them, uh, for that matter. So, and he ended up, I think winning the NFL player, defensive player of the year award, uh, right after. So, 
it didn't it obviously didn't hurt him but i wouldn't expect any any kind of drama or anything i think everyone's on the same page um you you mentioned needs uh i think that talking to dave ziegler uh real interested to hear kind of his comments on um you know where pressing needs fit into the draft the, the whole thing the scheme of the draft um and i and the impression that i got uh and i know teams talk about this sam but i but i really think that the Raiders are going to remain disciplined uh, to that. And I wrote a story about it, um, came out, I think, yesterday or, or Saturday. But anyway, it was about how, I think in the past, the Raiders um, were kind of victims of self, kind of self-inflicted uh, uh, victims of reaching for needs in the draft, yep. especially, you know, high at the draft. Um, yep. 2019, they needed a defensive end. Um, and so they, they reached honestly for Clee Farrell at pick number four. Nobody thought that Clee Farrell was the fourth best player in the draft. Nobody. Um, same thing happened in the following year where, um, you know, you could make a case for Henry Ruggs. You know, there were, there were three really good wide receivers, um, and, and Justin Jefferson as well, who turned out to be the best one of them all, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, the fourth guy, but anyway, you could you you understood the logic behind Henry Ruggs. I wouldn't call that a reach, sure. um, but Damon Arnett was absolutely a reach. Yeah, reach. Yeah, yeah. They needed help in the secondary, but not only um, so. So not only did they kind of reach for need and bypass the best player available at that particular spot in the draft, they also kind of did it even more arrogantly because Damon Arnett was not considered the best <laughs> player at at cornerback. At that, especially at that spot, right, really, right, no, right. nobody had him, you know, in in the first round. Uh, but they went ahead and, and and reached for a need by picking Damon Arnett, and then also kind of mistaken, in spite of flaws and um, you know whether it was playing flaws which pushed him down further on a lot of teams' boards and a lot of people's boards, but also the red the character issues which ended up leading to his demise. And I think last year. Uh, Alex Leatherwood, yep, there was a need at, at tackle. They had just, you know, traded Trent Brown. Um, so that was that was happening. They they needed they needed somebody to fill that spot. And what do they do? They take Alex Leatherwood way ahead of where anyone thought that he was gonna get drafted and probably bypassed a really good player at pick number 17 to execute that draft. So having said all that, I don't think that that's going to be the case here. I think there will be times where needs marries up with best player available, but I have a feeling as we watch the Raiders draft, we're going to see them more consistently or not just draft really good football players and let the coaches figure it out. Yeah. I think that's, I've always kind of, kind of been my way to go right now. It's, it's awesome when the best player available lines up with the need, right? That's, that's perfect. Right. That, that's happened. So sometimes you see that happen, but oftentimes um, just kind of generally speaking, I mean, I think the mentality is get as many good players as possible and then kind of figure it out. You can never have too many good players at any given position. And if you do, well, then you can make moves. You, you, you can make a trade. You can you have um, different trade packages. You have different kind of flexibility that you can um, that you can utilize different kinds of flexibility that you can utilize to build out your roster that way. So um, the fact that, you know, the fact that that the new brass, you know, kind of is leaning that way or might be considering going away from need. I think that opens up all kinds of possibilities because we understand what the needs are. Right. There, there's the need to upgrade at the off, on the offensive line. There's probably a need to get deeper in the secondary, you know, cornerback and even potentially safety as well. And then there's a need at, at wide receiver, you know, one way or the other. I think that's probably the least pressing of the needs, but there's still that you still want to address things there. But at the same time, 
you know, who's to say that you don't want more good pass rushers? I mean, you saw how the pass rush was awesome and dynamite at the end of last year and how disruptive the defensive line is. If you can double down and add a big-time pass rusher at, at a place where maybe somebody falls, why wouldn't you do that, right? If there's a, a great linebacker that can be an impactful player, why wouldn't you do that? You can never have – I'm of the mindset you can never have too many – um, too many good playmakers all over the ball. Of course, it's nice to address needs and to figure that out. But like you said, I mean, you don't want to get caught reaching to address needs, um, especially when you can fill those needs maybe with, with value later in the draft or with undrafted free agency or you find value in regular free agency or on the waiver wire. There's always ways that teams during the course of the year can tinker and address their respective needs. But but having the, you know t- high-end talent all over the field as much as that is possible, it, it feels to me like the logical goal of what any team wants to assemble. Would you look at that? Damn, I look good. What's up, everybody? It's me, Stephen Money. It's football season, and I want you to know that you can bet on me, the STN Sports app. So sign up today and get started with me, the local favorite. Yep, no doubt about it. And, uh, of course, you know, like I said, teams talk about this all the time. But um, far too often we see them kind of, um, I don't know, go against the grain a little bit. And, and I always wonder this, Sam. Um, you know, when people talk about, yeah, we're, we're, we're building our board and we're going to stick to our board. But don't you think that when you're building your board um, – your team needs somehow, some way, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, you kind of build a board, maybe sometimes based on your need. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I'm sure that does happen. Like you said, probably kind of a subconscious thing. You assess your you assess your 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 team and where your team is at, and then you evaluate the draft through those through those particular glasses. I think it's kind of inherent to that position, and it's of course a luxury when your team is stacked all over the place, and there's not necessarily any pressing need where you can do that. But I, I can't imagine. Um, that need doesn't doesn't kind of factor in unless you're really set with where your roster is and how many teams right now, Vinny. Right? Yet you have some teams that that might be set up for some sustainable runs, sustainable runs. But even in the NFL, as we know, it's it's year to year. It's a year to year league. Teams that are in the Super Bowl might miss the playoffs next season. Teams that miss the playoffs, you can turn it around and 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 win the division or be in the mix for the division championship um the next year to deep playoff run. So. Kind of with that in mind, yeah, I, I do think I do think need is is often um, kind of incorporated when teams go through the evaluation process, and I think when you take a look at the draft, uh, generally speaking, I don't have you know we'd have to probably comb through this. Maybe this is a subject for another pod or another story. What where teams tend to go and how they kind of tend to prefer need. I would guess that that's generally the case, but it doesn't. It's not always the case. It doesn't always have to be the case. And there's great players at every position in, in every single draft. So, um, so depending on how things shake out, who's available. Uh, on the board, maybe there's a trade scenario that emerges. Those things always can emerge at the 11th hour, and then you can add value and still address a need or get a high-end player a few picks later. We're going to have to find out. But um, I think at the point where, where, where the new regime is at, where this team is coming, you know, being being that it was 10-7 and 7 last season, a playoff-caliber team that took the Cincinnati Bengals to the, down to the wire with all these liabilities, right, no real run game to speak of, struggles in pass protection, uh, struggles in the back end, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, to, to, to now, now I think being that that's already the foundation, add the high end talent where you can, you can address needs. It doesn't necessarily have to be in a draft that can be in free agency too. And you pivot and move accordingly. Yep. You sure do. And, uh, one good thing for the Raiders, um, some of their needs also happen to be, um, at positions that they're 
appears to be some really good uh, depth um, in, in the draft. And, and one one particular position um, is to me is offensive tackle. Uh, there were some really um, intriguing prospects, uh, obviously out there in Indianapolis, and some of them, you know. The, the Raiders will have no access to at the top of the draft. There's some, you know, excellent Charles Cross, I think, um, comes off the board. Uh, Ikem uh, Ikuano from North Carolina State, I think he's off the board. Evan Neal, I think he would be off the board. Um, I think guys that start falling potentially into their into their um, wheelhouse, really impressed with Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. Um, just a, a, a great athlete. You can see the yeah. basketball in his background. Um, you know, uh, I, I believe he'll be there at 20, number 22, Bernard Rayam, um, uh, or, or Rayman from Central Michigan, I think is going to be there. Uh, Darian Kennard from Kentucky, uh, I think is there. But of those guys, um, if they were to go tackle in the first round, uh, which guys right there kind of pique your interest the most? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, if they do go tackle in the first round, I like the kid from, from Northern Iowa, like you said, Vinny. I thought what, what he showed, I mean, you can only show so much playing at the FCS level to come out and to test out the way he did and seeing some of those videos and the way he's able to move. Um, you've seen that the Raiders have, I mean, look how big Colton Miller is. He's 6'8", and he's been a an absolute um, you know force on that left side of the offensive line, especially this past season. You see the natural development that happens when you play in the NFL, and he developed into one of the better left tackles in the NFL. To be able to bookend him with somebody that's 6'7", like that, that can move that way, I think it gives you a ton of, a, a, a ton of upside. And we've seen... Um, offensive linemen at lower levels, you know, have success and be able to pick things up relatively quickly. So for, 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 for me, he's somebody that jumps out where if he's still on the board at that point, or maybe if you can even trade back and add a little bit of value and still feel like you can get him, um, that he'd be way, the way to go. But, but there's, I mean, like you said, I mean, there's guys all over the place. I mean, this is, it does feel like there's depth uh, in the offensive line at the draft. It feels like there's size, there's real size uh, at the draft. The kid from Minnesota, 6'9, 380, you know what I'm saying? And can move. There's shot. There, there's like to, to go back to, to your point at the top. Um, position like football. Football players are evolving. The game is getting more athletic. It's getting faster. Um, it's getting more vertical, and that's not just on the perimeter. That's in the trenches as well. So, um, seeing how some of these guys, some of these big guys, were able to move and, and how explosive they were, um, were, was really impressive. And the kid from Northern Iowa, Trevor, like you said, Trevor Penning, he he's he's one that definitely jumped out to me, seeing the way he was able to perform. Daniel Faalele is who yep. we're talking about for the University of Minnesota, and that dude was a big is a big human being. Great kid too, by the way. Uh, great personality. So um, from Australia um, and of Samoan and Tongan, um, you know, uh, ethnicity. So, uh, you know, he's, he's just a, was a great kid, um, had a great personality and I think his best football is ahead of him. I think he would be more of a second round pick. Uh, but, but that would not be a bad direction to go in. Uh, and that's, that's, I guess my, one of my points is that there's real depth uh, at both spots. Uh, and when we go to the wide receivers, you know, you could pretty much, uh, uh, Drake London's not going to be there from USC. Garrett Wilson, I think, uh, played his way into, um, you know, uh, probably a top 15 pick, uh, I would say. It gets a little bit murky after there, not in terms of talent, but in terms of where do some of these guys land. And, you know, when you factor in, Sam, the quarterbacks, I know it's not a great quarterback draft, but there's enough good quarterbacks where somebody's going to take a swing up there at the top of the draft in the top 10, top 15. And that means, and I would, I would imagine that there's probably three guys that are going to, that are going to go in terms of the quarterbacks uh, up there uh, in that range. 
which means three other players are going to fall a little bit further down in the draft. Three good players are going to fall down uh, a little bit in the draft. So that's where you start getting into the uh, Chris Olave from Ohio State, who just looked really good, really fast, obviously. Watch the tape. Um, he's a great prospect. I really like Traylon Burks from Arkansas. I know he's not the speedster. Um, you know, there's some route running uh, that needs to get uh, cleared, cleaned up a little bit. Uh, but this is a big man at six foot three, two hundred and twenty-five pounds. Yep. He had he had uh, the third uh, biggest hands. He had the third biggest arms. I think he is, or, or I think his wingspan was was third um, among wide receivers. And also uh, the 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 arms, the arm length was uh, first. I think of, of among wide receivers. So you have a a big man um, who's built and put together, uh, who could also go get the ball because he can jump and he can. Um, uh, you know, go get it with his with his long arms and everything else like that. So, to me, a guy like Traylon Burks and Chris Olave um, might might be there for the for the Raiders, and I think um, you know potentially really good picks. Yeah, definitely, definitely something you'd have to consider, right? They never really were able to kind of replace. Uh, not forget the speed. You're not going to get necessarily four through speed, but just the dynamic that Henry Ruggs brought to that offense. Deshaun Jackson played his part to a degree, but again, not a, not didn't totally replace that. Um, I, I like the physical, I like the measure, the measurables of Burks and the productivity. I mean, this guy had 180 yards against Alabama in the SEC, you know, playing, not playing with a, you know, a five-star kind of quarterback that somebody is a surefire NFL player at 1100 yards and 11 touchdowns in the SEC. Um, in terms of Olave, I mean, everybody I'm getting the sense that I get is, is just kind of watching from afar again was he, he ran, I mean, the four, three, nine, um, that's legit speed. Four four speed is good enough. Is more than good enough to get deep and get down the field um, in, in the NFL. And like you know, like how productive he was uh, over the course of his tenure at Ohio State as well. So um, receiver, I don't think would be a bad option by any means if you can add a player that you can feel you know that you feel like can upgrade um, this offense. Again, you know, we'll see how maybe you know the free agency market shakes out. There's some good receivers there, but adding a young receiver um, that's a little bit more affordable at this stage that you can mold and develop. And, and shape the way you want to that's already developed um, definitely definitely wouldn't be a bad option. And like you said, those guys that you mentioned that both both present viable options and you know, talented players that could definitely make impacts on day one. A little bit of breaking news the that uh, uh, says the Oakland Raiders, it's obviously the Las Vegas Raiders, are expected to hire Mitch Singler uh, as an offensive quality control coach. Singler spent the past four seasons with uh, uh, University of Duke uh, as an offensive quality control coordinator at, at Duke University. What is that? Well, that's the guys that cut up the film. Uh, that's the guys that uh, laminate the uh, play call sheet. Um, they do everything, basically, and they're invaluable. And uh, my guy, Sean McVay, started out as an offensive quality control coach. Um, I want to say that Kyle Shanahan started off as an offensive quality co- control coach. They're, they're so important to staffs, even though there's not any like one designated thing that they do. They do a whole lot of things. But when you're talking about young coaches, it's a great spot to be able to really learn and really get a grasp of football, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, so Mitch Singler um, is coming to the Raiders as the offensive quality control coach. He is the cousin, our good friend Adam uh, Hill tweeted this out, cousin of former Duke basketball standout Kyle Singler. So, uh, so there the you name go. I- the name we haven't heard in a while huh? I know, exactly <laughs> going way in the way back machine uh kyle singler so um so there you go uh the raiders slowly but at the okay for, as in terms of position coaches uh i've got them um i've got all positions covered except for tight end tight uh, for the raiders that's the one that's the one uh position group that hasn't uh yet been addressed uh, i checked on that earlier today and still no movement on that at some point 
the Raiders are going to officially announce uh, all these coaches and we're going to have uh, access to them. I can't wait that to, for that. I want to really uh, dig into, you know, uh, Patrick Brown, the new defensive coordinator, uh, Mick Lombardi, the new offensive coordinator. But uh, the Raiders are moving kind of at their own pace on this. And at some point, um, you know, I'm sure they'll roll all the new coaches out. Uh, look forward to that. Uh, so, Sam, next week, uh, the start of free agency. Um, It'll be interesting, and I think we're finally going to get some clarity on uh, the quarterback up there in Green Bay. What's his name? Aaron Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Yeah, uh, yeah. We'll finally uh, let everybody know uh, what his intentions are. I just feel like, you know, um, the reports are that, you know, he's kind of torn between coming back and, and finding another place. You know, when, when you're torn about going back, it usually means that you don't really want to go back. There's If you're not – if your heart's not completely and totally into it, I know that one way or another, even if he did go back, you know, he'd be a professional about it and, and, and be okay with it. But it just feels like he wants to leave, Sam. Well, that, that would definitely change the trajectory of the NFL and change kind of everything. That's It feels to me, Vinny, for the last – really the last year, um, certainly starting at last year's draft, but especially the last couple of weeks since the NFL season's ended, that that's kind of been the cloud um, hanging over the league or the domino, the first domino – domino to topple that that would would will really start this whole thing so i mean we've heard the destination spots thrown around right denver you know pittsburgh's in the market for a quarterback cleveland if they could upgrade over baker mayfield washington needs a quarterback carolina you highly doubt that he would go to a team that's not that he doesn't feel um from a roster standpoint will be ready to win the denver thing is interesting to me because of of the some of their personnel that they have and of course the hire that they just made uh hiring nathaniel hackett his former offensive coordinator um, in Green Bay uh, to, to be the head coach in Denver. So, of course, that, that kind of feels like, you know, an interesting, uh, an interesting dynamic. But if you're Aaron Rodgers, um, you'd be leaving a division, Vinny, where you're playing with Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, and Justin Fields and entering a division where you'd be dealing with Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr. So it would be definitely if he comes to Denver. And, again, who knows what he's going to do. We're going to find out. But that would be the situation. It, I, you know, it's been division title after division title up there in Green Bay. Um, and the grass isn't always greener, uh, but but he's going to do what he wants. And anywhere he goes, I mean, we saw the season he had last year, even though the playoff game uh, was definitely subpar. You would expect that 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 team would be an instant, you know, an instant contender type. And that that would kind of begin some of the reshuffling that I expect we'll see at the quarterback position throughout the NFL. Absolutely. By the way, other breaking news just came down. Uh, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell today suspended Calvin Ridley of the Atlanta Falcons indefinitely through at least the conclusion of the 2022 season for betting on NFL games during the 19 or during the 2021 season. Um, the activity took place during a five day period in late November 2021 when Ridley was not with the team and was away from the club's facility on the non football illness list. So Wow. Um, Calvin Ridley, um, who, you know, a uh, good player, and uh, he's going to lose a year at least uh, for betting on games. Uh, there's no more fundamental. There's nothing more fundamental to the NFL success and to the reputation of everyone associated with our league than upholding the integrity of the game. This is our. This is the responsibility of each player, coach, owner, game official, anyone else employed in the league. Your actions put the integrity of the game at risk, threaten to damage public confidence in professional football, and potentially undermine the reputations of your fellow players throughout the NFL. Uh, that was what um, the the uh, the commissioner's letter to Calvin Ridley uh, explained. I you know I know that there's a lot of people who have mixed feelings on this, but um, 
here's the thing, betting on games in your own league and regardless of what teams are involved, here's what it could imply, Sam. Calvin Ridley, and I'm not saying this happened at all, um, but who's to say that he didn't call some of his friends on some teams across the NFL to let them know, hey, I'm putting, you know, X amount of money on a, on a game on, on your game. You know, you, you know what I'm saying, right? Um, it's, I mean, these guys, yeah, it's a giant fraternity at the end of the day. They, they, right. It's not hard to get in touch with you, for sure. And again, not saying that that happened, but it raises the question that it could have happened. And that in and of itself is damaging to the NFL. So uh, Calvin Ridley, that's a big loss for the Falcons and uh, just kind of a, uh, a lightning bolt that just dropped. So um, there you have it. No betting. Wow. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That is huge. That's huge, Vinny. That's huge. Very did not expect to see that. Yep. We're going to wrap it up uh, here because uh, next week, uh, by the time we get back next week, and we'll see, we may have to do a bonus uh, episode next week because um, there's going to be a lot of activity next week once you know, the free agency begins and everything gets kind of cooking and, and we start figuring out where guys are going or not um, staying put or not. Um, it'll be really interesting uh, to get into all that. But I think, uh, you know, with the, with the scouting combine behind the Raiders and as they continue, you know, their process of digging deep into uh, the draft, I think they have a pretty good handle on what, um, you know, the, the draft might yield and getting a better handle on it by the day, which sets them up, uh, uh, Sam, to, to get to work on free agency. And that's where I think you're going to see some of these needs that the yep. needs will definitely yep. be addressed through free agency. Absolutely. I, I kind of expect the same thing, whether it's in free agency, whether it's in the draft, um, doesn't matter as long as you get them done and, and free agency gives you the opportunity to build out what you, what you have going into the draft. So then you can add on the periphery and really establish what you want to do. Absolutely. Uh, until then, um, have a great week. Uh, enjoy it. Uh, rest up a little bit because it's going to be hectic next week. <laughs> I want to say thanks to Sam Gordon, um, uh, as always, for uh, lending your insight and, and knowledge. I want to say thanks to Larry Muir, uh, our great producer, uh, for keeping us on time and making us sound good. Uh, thanks to all the listeners, of course, for all your uh, support. We, re- we truly appreciate it. We'll see you guys next week. Would you look at that? Damn, I look good. What's up, everybody? It's me, Stephen Money. It's football season, and I want you to know that you can bet on me, the STN Sports app. So sign up today and get started with me, the local favorite.